Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about a new movie every week. But this week on the show, we're talking about everyone's favorite legal concept, copyright law. And of course, <laughs> the many versions of Pinocchio that we saw in the year 2022. As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, and joining me is my little wooden boy, paralegal, Cody Webb. Cody, how's it going? <laughs> it's going great, man. Yeah, another great intro from you off the top. Uh, great start to 2023, I would say. But uh, yeah, I'd say out of the two of us, you know, you, you would be Geppetto and I would be Pinocchio. I think you're more of a Jiminy Cricket, if we're being honest, but... <laughs> I, I like that actually. Maybe the podcast is our Pinocchio. <laughs> I like that even more. You're like the bad conscience in this case. Jiminy's, Jiminy's the best part of all his movies, which we'll talk about later. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for some legal jargon, and uh, we're gonna get down to nitty gritty today. So uh, it's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun one. We're opening 2023 with a uh, a discussion about what the public domain is. What are some public domain characters? Some of our favorites within the public domain as well as just kind of this weird happenstance of, of Pinocchio movies. There's been an influx of them in the last year, year and a half. Um, so we're going to kind of do some reviews of those movies, going to talk about, you know, its journey over the years in relation to the original 1940 Disney film. Uh, but I'm really excited for this episode. It's one that I've wanted to do all, all the way since the beginning of 2022, really. And uh, I've been saving for now after, you know, we get all these Pinocchio movies released. True. And I mean, yeah, I've been hyping up, you know, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, you know, since the dark ages of the show. The lore of the podcast, it <laughs> Pinocchio, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, or, or George Miller's Pinocchio, George. <laughs> depending if you're Cody. Um, That's coming out next year, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Best original <laughs> score, right? <laughs> Previously on Cap. This is sort of my shot in the dark out of all the shot in the darks of uh, any category. I didn't go Dune because I thought I'd win special effects. Uh, so I had limited choices. So I went for something very different. Went for a film uh, called Pinocchio, which is supposedly coming out this year. <laughs> so I'm being directed by George Miller, and it's a stop-motion animation musical. And I also, I wanted to bring the cast into it just to, to bring my argument up. It's got a banging cast. Tilda Swinton, Christopher Waltz, Ewan McGregor. It probably won't even be released this year, if I'm being brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> also we probably won't even see the light of day for like the next five years but if, if it does happen to come out i think it will be nominated in this category it should have great music uh george miller is obviously uh, a great director and cats like that they can sing they can do it all they got great voices so yeah th this is sort of the category i ran out on and i'm, I'm throwing pinocchio out there <laughs> um, i love yeah, it interesting pick but we'll, we'll go for card. it yeah <laughs> sick I saw. I looked it up and saw you and McGregor's playing Jiminy Cricket. So I'm, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm sold. Best picture. Perfect, Come on. <laughs> if there's a shot, it's probably this. You know, between this and Pinocchio, who's to say, really? <laughs> really. So I want no time to die. I think Pinocchio is going to be the godfather of our generation. Is what it sounds like to me. That's true. That. They they probably shouldn't release it this year because it's we're not ready as a culture mm -hmm. yet. I'm not. We've improving ourselves. I'm putting her down for best cinematography. I don't know if it's the uh, most obvious choice. Definitely another out there pick from me, but I think she could pull it out. So I'm going Chloe Zhao. Could that be back-to-back -back cinematography wins for Chloe Zhao? I think she That'd won last insane. year. Well, I do hate yeah, to. Well, I hate to break. Well, I don't think she won. I think Mank won, but she was nominated. Oh, did she? Okay. She, she oh, was. She won. The thing about Nomadland is she was the director, cinematographer, and editor for that. She did it all. Um, Eternals. <laughs> Uh, is a guy named Ben Davis doing the actual cinematography, but um, if Chloe Zhao's, you know, directing, 
and she obviously has cinematography experience, she's going to have a, you know, a large role in uh, the way this movie looks. <laughs> I like the pick. Thanks for nice. calling me out, Corbin. Thank you. Pre- well, I could call you out and tell you that Pinocchio oh. is being directed by Gilmer DeFora, <laughs> not George Miller. So. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, I got those mixed up. Oh, oh for two. I have that on my notes. I said the wrong name. Oh, <laughs> uh, You just, man, you had happy Back. feet on the brain. Big George you Miller guy. He didn't call me out in, uh, in real time, so it doesn't count. Guillermo, True. that's why, man. Come on. <laughs> Welcome back to your regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think it's going to be fun. There's kind of a lot of characters and a lot of things to talk about, you know, in the public domain, what's coming into the public domain. I think it should be a good one. And we get to talk about some shitty Pinocchio movies too. So can't go wrong. And this is actually really a perfect time for it because we'll discuss further what the public domain is and how it works. But when things enter the public domain because of expiration, it's always at the first of the year. So we're at the first of the year and there's a whole new trove of things from 1927 that have all officially entered the public domain as of January 1st. So definitely a cool thing to talk about. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I did do obviously a little bit more, you know, research and all this. And it took me back to my college days, weirdly enough, when I took summer classes at Purdue one year, like an entire week, we just focused on like public domain, how long it takes, you know, who's coming into the public domain. And I think it is like super, super interesting. So uh, yeah, I agree. Let's kick it. Well, Cody, since you took a class and you learned about it, I, I want to hear before I give the the researched explanation, what, how would you describe what the public domain is? So, I mean, in a, in a sense, I think, I mean, this is obviously my definition as well. This isn't, you know, out of a textbook or anything. <laughs> But I mean, once you create characters, uh, it's sort of like you have an expiration date on owning them. I don't know all the exact numbers, but basically we'll get into it. We'll get into it. What it comes down to is, yeah, say, you know, you create a character in 1900. After a certain amount of years after you died, that character can go to the public. Anybody can do anything with that character that they want. And basically it just opens up a ton of opportunities for like uh, obviously filmmakers, everybody else as well, writers, to sort of just dip their creative genius in this character that they kind of weren't allowed to before. So it's kind of just a cool idea where, you know, once enough time has passed, sort of it's up for grabs for anybody. I think a good entry point, you you said it well, Cody, and I'll, I'll get into specifics, but you really, you lay it out well. I think a good entry point for this is the Winnie the Pooh, Blood yeah. and Honey horror movie, because it's releasing next year. And a movie like this is Obviously, Winnie the Pooh is associated with Disney, you know, the classic Christopher Robin story. It's been told many times, but the actual copyright to Winnie the Pooh and like being able to, for any person to own it ended in 2022 because it was uh, 95 years after 1926, which is when that Christopher Robin book was published. So because of that fact, now Winnie the Pooh, anybody can write a Winnie the Pooh story. You can write a Winnie the Pooh story. I can make a Winnie the Pooh drawing and sell it in perpetuity because uh, nobody owns the rights to that. Now, there are some further things about, you know, multiple versions of a character released different times. We'll get into that. Um, But going back to the basics, the public domain, um, and I do want to credit uh, some good Wikipedia research here, also some Stanford Law Library research, um, and a few other sources along the way, but CNN, this like, um, but the public domain is just any creative materials that have no intellectual property laws to protect them. Now, you know these as copyrights, trademarks, patent laws. Each of those things is different. We don't really need to describe why, but basically these are not owned by any singular person. The public owns them. They're in the public domain. 
anybody can take these public domain materials and just use them. They don't have to ask permission and nobody is ever allowed to own that character or that entity or that picture, whatever it may be. It can be writings, it can be pictures, it can be you know physical things that are made. It's important to also recognize that while individual works under the public may enter the public domain, a collection may not. So for example, a lot of E.E. E. Cummings uh, poetry is in the public domain, but a person, a scholar could take the greatest poems of E.E. E. Cummings, put them into a book that they specifically select. Now they own that collection as a whole. Or I could take a bunch of photographs and throw a public domain song in a, and they're all public domain photographs and put them in a specific slideshow in a specific order. Well, now I own that, but I don't own the individual pieces that make, like I own the copyright to that individual thing I created, but not the specific pieces. Isn't that making sense so far, Cody? <laughs> I mean, kind of, but not really. So you're saying, let's just use Winnie the Pooh as an example, which by the way, I think uh, that trailer should definitely be the clip of the week. There we go. Good clip of the week. You know, you're the first person I ever shown this place to. Why am I so special? Because soon we'll be Christopher and Mary Robin. You should be close now. We're not going to find them. We will. Pooh, Piglet, Eeyore. We were friends for many years, and they're out there. Christopher, we need to leave. Now. I really need to find out what's happening here, okay? Did you say how to pull? We need to go! There's... Uh, the Laura's there. There's someone else outside. What was that? We used to be friends. Why are you doing this? I would have never left that swimmer, I swear. But so you're saying um if you take like the original, you know, Christopher Robin book, whatever it was back in 1910, and like you take the first chapter and the third chapter. And then you make a new book where that's the first sec that excuse me the first chapter and the second chapter. You can copyright it as your own. That's what you're saying. That's both. Well, I do want to say that I am not a lawyer, <laughs> and <laughs> this was you know just some research that I did across various sources on the internet. So if there's anything that I say that isn't quite 100 correct, don't take this as legal advice. Basically, no, I, I believe you. I'm just saying that's that's actually pretty crazy. The that's, specific that's example they give though is with poetry and e coming. So like, if you take all his poems and make a book out of it that specific selection and that book like you can't just take that book and remake it and sell it as your own right right generally speaking <laughs> the question though is how do things get into the public domain how does that happen and yeah. uh you alluded to 
after a certain number of years, which would be the first example, the copyright simply expires after a given amount of time. Mm -hmm. And this is also important to know, this is all due to US copyright law. Things are different in other countries and how that works and who owns it. But at a certain point in the US, specifically 95 years after something is published or 70 years after the death of the creator is when will something will enter the public domain. There's also specific instances where they don't renew their copyright correctly, or maybe I create something and I say it once I want it to be for the public. Uh, that's known as dedication. Also, there's like just specific works that copyright copyright law doesn't pertain to. Um, but those are all the different reasons that it can enter the public domain. There's been multiple laws that have happened over the course that have kind of changed these things. As recently as 1998, there was the Sonny Bono Copyright Law uh, Term Extension Act, which took it from 75 years after publishing to 95 years. So there was a weird thing where there was like a 20 year period from 1998 to 2008 where nothing new entered uh, the public domain because they had extended it by 20 years. Now, every single year, things are entering the public domain. Before January 1928, if it was released before that time, it is currently in the public domain because that's 95 years to 2023, right? And good math, good math. in 2024, we'll have a whole slew of things that were all made before January 1st, 1929, which brings me to a specific character. Do you know something released in, in 1928, Cody? Do you know a popular character that next year will enter the public domain? I believe so. And uh, I believe it's uh, Steamboat Willie himself. No? You're damn right. In, in 2024, January 1st, 2024, Steamboat Willie will be officially public domain, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. And that was another thing that um, we covered in that class as well. Obviously, like Mickey Mouse going in the public domain is massive. Um, but I believe Disney is going to fight it. They have an argument. They do have an argument. But I don't know if it'll hold up. Go ahead. So there, it has been proven that if a character is changed or iterated upon, mm -hmm. then those changes do not automatically enter the public domain. It is only the version of it that is available at the time. However, th this gets into the weeds. Obviously, Mickey Mouse, his eyes get bigger. They add pupils. He stops abusing animals in the same way that he did. Um, he has bigger ears, a shorter nose. So those things will not enter. The Mickey Mouse will not be in the public domain. People might try and skirt the edges and find, but because of a 2014 uh, opinion in a case between the Klinger and the Conan Doyle estate, which if you know, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was the author of Sherlock Holmes. They've been fighting public domain for years because Sherlock Holmes is currently a public domain character. Now in that 2014 opinion, what they were trying to say was that because even though the original works had entered the public domain at that point, not all of the Sherlock Holmes stories had. So their argument in 2014 was he, we should still just own the character because we still own the copyright to some versions of it. The government, the Seventh Circuit Court rejected this and said, no, once a character enters the public domain, that character is available. But if there's any changes that are made, then those are still under copyright law, kind of leading us to the Steamboat Willie thing. Now, there's actually a current case that's happening, or at least recent legal proceedings of the, the Conan Doyle estate fighting Netflix because of Enola Holmes. And their, their, kind of, uh, their point of view is that in the Enola Holmes story, which Enola Holmes was like an original idea. It was never made up by uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. 
or Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. However, Sherlock Holmes does appear and he is seen as he's like really friendly and he's kind of like an you know a lighthearted older brother type. And Isn't because it yeah, it's Henry Cavill. So right. he's he's kind of like a positive Sherlock Holmes. But the thing is, in the Sherlock Holmes stories that are currently in the public domain, he's always an asshole. And it's not until like late, this is their assertion at least. It's not until later under certain works that are still copyrighted that he develops a kinder, warmer heart that you would see in Enola Holmes. Now, the specific stories they're talking about just entered the public domain as of today. So it doesn't really matter because they did recently uh, just now into the public domain, but they were making that argument as Enola Holmes was coming out. Yeah. That's interesting. I think, I don't know if I actually back that. And I don't know if I back the Steamboat Willie thing either. Just because, you know, once that character's gone in, like you have freedom to do whatever you want with it, I feel like. So, I mean, maybe we'll get Steamboat Willie showing up and it's just a dick Mickey Mouse. Uh, sort of like a, in like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit type movie or something like that. I think that'd be super interesting. And even talking about uh, Sherlock Holmes as well. I mean, the Robert Downey Jr. version and i mean there was uh, the will ferrell, the will ferrell and john c Riley, sherlock yeah. and holmes they're such different versions i feel like it's so hard to argue like this is our exact one but with mickey mouse it is a little bit more easy to see but i think people are definitely gonna try and still jump around it oh i think we'll definitely see a ton of mickey mouse steamboat really some things oh yeah um now that it's available it even if it's like one-off jokes, because like literally anybody can use it. Like I can post a Twitter. Now, of course I can do that anyways, but legally I can't, right? So now like legally you'll be able to, to make money off of it. There's going to be shirts with Steamboat Willie getting sold. For- we should jump on it. We should like produce a Steamboat Willie series or something. Should yeah. I go all know what's coming? We have a year for pre-production. I'd be down. Oh, we'd make bank too. <laughs> we're not great animators i think that's that's our big (laughs) issue another like funny popular example is i think great gatsby was a year or two ago entered the public domain which obviously great american novel f scott Fitzgerald. they've made movies about it but they had to gain permission now anybody could make a great gatsby movie if they wanted or at least like a a parody or a version of it you know think oh brother we're out there as to the odyssey maybe we can make a weird country version of the great gatsby cody who knows i'd be down for that too bring back toby mcguire for sure i mean he's he's been popping off in babylon but someone did a great gatsby book that they're selling on amazon and do you know what the only change they made to it was no i have no idea it's the great gatsby but nick has scoliosis and all it is, is it's the original book, but in every chapter, they've added just a one sentence where he makes a reference to him having scoliosis. Nick, obviously, is the narrator of it. It's, it's the Tobey Maguire character, yeah. but the book is exactly the same. F. Scott Fitzgerald's word for word, original text, except for a one poorly integrated sentence uh, that makes reference to this. It is referred to as uh, the minuscule references arguably add immense depth of beauty to Fitzgerald's original work, or at least the Amazon <laughs> ad does. I mean, will that hole up in court? I feel like that shouldn't really. It's No, but that's the thing. That's the Great legal? Gatsby is public domain. <laughs> Literally, I can, I can take okay. it and sell my own versions of it. Like That makes sense, though. Yeah. But that is still really dumb, just like reimagining of it like that's just a money grab if we're doing steamboat willie we're gonna make it good at least i, I mean obviously of course we will yeah i think you, i think you nailed most of it uh we'll get into a bunch more that are you know up we're gonna do our top five favorites some of our favorites as well but 
Yeah, I said we kick it over to the Pinocchios because we, we got a bunch to cover. So Pinocchio is connected in the sense that it is in the public domain. The mm. Adventures of Pinocchio, originally published by Carlo Collodi, or written and published by Carlo Collodi in 1883. Obviously, that's well past the point where it, you know it's, it is considered the public domain. That's why Disney was able to make their original animated version of it. It is obviously closely associated with Disney, but there has been been so many countless versions of Pinocchio made over the years it may be one of the most like adapted characters in movies I, I can't speak specifically but it has been done countless times and in the last year it's been done three times uh, very notably and, and I wanted to kind of discuss those three uh, as well as the original Disney version in this episode and as well I mean Pinocchio has been in the public domain since the 40s right yeah, for a really long time. Like, yeah, it's been yeah. around. So there's people, every version has been made of it yeah. that you can imagine. And for some reason, they decided to make three in one year. So weird. And even I think like in 2019, there was like a live action, darker retelling uh, Italian version. So like Pinocchio, a lot of people love it. A lot of people hail that original Disney movie as a great masterwork. You know, Pinocchio himself is a metaphor for the human experience. I've never been a huge fan of Pinocchio. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Are you a big Pinocchio guy, Cody? Beyond the the jokes that we make? <laughs> I mean, absolutely not. I think Jiminy Cricket is a is a fun character and stuff, but I've never been attached to it. I don't know who, who I don't know anybody who's been like a massive Pinocchio fan in my life. Maybe that's just like a Midwest thing. Maybe, you know, you go different parts of the world. I mean, Italy, it's a big deal, but no, I, I feel like philosopher Benedetto Croak considered it one of the greatest works of Italian literature. Well, uh, the Italians would have, must have not produced too much good because uh, it's kind of a boring story, but uh, it is iconic, to be fair. Everybody does know who Pinocchio is. Everybody knows, you know, the no strings on me bit and everything. But uh, I feel like that's just because it's been around for, you know, 200 years, like we've said, so. It's kind of just getting old and all these movies coming out like doesn't help with that. Have you watched the original 1940 Disney cartoon? Uh, I have. It has been a while. I know that it is fairly dark, but I mean, some of the movies we're going to talk about today are fairly dark as well. It's kind of a dark story. But uh, yeah, I think I saw it once when I was like maybe eight, nine years old. But you? Yeah, I had seen it growing up and I did rewatch it and I was kind of surprised with some of the things we'll saw, I saw in it. We'll talk about it. But I think my relationship to Pinocchio was most influenced by Shrek and the, the oh, Shrek yeah. films because the, the role that Pinocchio, the role that Pinocchio, I dropped some, the role that Pinocchio plays in those, I think has had the greatest impact on me. And I've returned to Shrek a lot more over the years. And I think the cultural impact there is, for our generation is probably much greater. Oh, 100%. And I mean, that's just another great use of them, though. I think a com comedic relief, like dumb Pinocchio, is probably the best version, if I'm being honest. He's got to be up there. So, uh, yeah, had to mention Shrek as well. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. And, and obviously, your nose growing when you lie is like such a, like oh. everybody knows that. Like you, you tell kids that, like, that's really what this that 1940 version was was just like trying to scare kids a little bit it's a story of morality of, of yeah. right and wrong that's clearly had a huge impact i mean your nose growing oldest time I mean, yeah i feel like that's the the genesis of the character really is mostly created to be like hey but kids, i will argue 
I will maybe I don't I can't speak to the original work, but it's it's interesting to see that in the it does play a role in the original version and in the Disney remake that we're going to talk about. But I will argue it plays a smaller role than I expected. Like his nose, he doesn't lie a lot though. That's the thing. He's not always lying, and his nose like it's established early, and then maybe it has a payoff in the end. Specifically, Guillermo del Toro's version, there's a big payoff. That's how they escape, right? He's able to lie and, and grow his nose. Um, but I feel like that is such a small part of the whole. Like, there's so much more to the Pinocchio lore that gets overlooked. Yeah. I mean, in the Disney new live action as well, uh, it's pretty much a similar thing to Guillermo's, which is funny. They grab but, a key. Yeah, it, it's really not talked about at all until that scene in the movie, which is probably like an hour and a half in. It's kind of weird. But... I mean, it does deal with like themes of greed and, you know, sort of children not listening to their parents, that sort of thing. So it does still have those themes. But yeah, the nose, I feel like, you know, that's the most recognizable of like telling kids exactly what to do. So obviously this is this year was kind of like a weird happenstance. We talked about like all this amalgamation. Why do you think 2023 or sorry, 2022, why, why did we get three this year? Because obviously the public domain didn't just expire. Like, like, what is it? How did we How did we get here, Cody? Do you know? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I think obviously Disney has been doing their thing where they just want to do the a live action remake of every single property they have. Just, you know, straight cash grab. Which, you know, that's fair. That's their strategy. Um, the Guillermo one, I think he just has a connection to that character. Uh, I mean, he clearly... He's been about- trying to make this movie for like a decade. And finally, yeah. Netflix did their thing, and they they gave him a little bit of cash to make it happen. Yeah, and I mean, his story was obviously a little bit more developed than Disney. And then the Russian one, you know, I don't know. You're going to have to tell me on that. <laughs> I'm lost. Uh, spoiler, I did watch the trailer for Okay, for good. <laughs> so I have many thoughts. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Why Why do you think Pinocchio is this, this big hit this year? You touched on the Disney live action thing. I think that's definitely part of it. It's just kind of now's the time for them to do the Pinocchio one. They've done the Cruella and the Beauty and the Beast and the, you know, however many, Jungle Book, Lion King. What have they not done really? Other than Pinocchio, not too much. Not a lot, right? So you've got that. It it was bound to happen. It just so happened. You've got the COVID of it all that kind of pushed all of these things together. I think, you know, the Guillermo del Toro one we talked about, you picked it to win an Oscar last year and here it is, it released in December of this year. Like, I get nominated this year release uh-huh. dates oh yeah maybe best picture nominated we'll get into that but oh, no, no, no. who knows cody um <laughs> but yeah it, the, i think the covid of it all kind of pushed things together i think the russian version i, I don't know i think it, maybe it was kind of capitalizing on i think the three of them all were kind of capitalizing upon each other of like oh pinocchio is really in the conversation let's make sure we get the movie out and get it released and i think the disney one definitely pushed its release date to be at that spot of like, we're going to get there first. We're not letting this clearly superior Guillermo del Toro version uh, get out there before it. It's also a case of this kind of thing in Hollywood of, of twin movies, which maybe will be a whole episode down the line. But, you know, Ooh. this happens a lot of times where people, similar scripts get floated around, things happen. We did the prestige on this. Sh- that happens so much. Yeah. The illusionist, the prestige. Oh, uh, what's those space movies? Deep Impact. And, Armageddon. Uh, Armageddon. I feel like every other Dunkirk year. Dunkirk in the darkest hour, White House down, Olympus has fallen. Yeah, that's classic as well. I don't even know which one to pick out of that too, but <laughs> it is interesting where like 
you know, thoughts of ideas for movies come along, and then suddenly, oh, the opposite studio is doing the exact same thing. I feel like maybe that's just Hollywood, you know, not liking each other too much. So they kind of just want to step on each other's toes a little bit. But that's actually a great idea for an episode and, and definitely one we should do in the future. Yeah, so so we love a little bit of that case as well. Cody, where do you want to start? I'd say we start with Disney. Disney's, <laughs> the, well, I'll talk my my thoughts watching the original um, going back. Yeah, yeah. The animation is good. The music is good. I think it's an average story. Like, I just don't maybe connect to the Pinocchio story we'll get into as we go. Like, I just don't find it extremely interesting. I, I don't think it's the greatest story ever told about the human condition, but whatever. There are some shocking stuff with donkey ears and children oh, yeah. turning into donkeys. <laughs> and that whole part of the movie, I had no idea that was coming. And really? uh, it was really out of left field beyond the fact that it also happens in the Disney live action version to a certain degree. So let's talk about that. Directed by Robert Zemeckis. Oh man. This is considered live action in the sense that Disney considers the Lion King live action and that Tom Hanks is on a set on a blue screen and everything else. Like I do not think anything in this movie was shot in real life beyond Tom Hanks. Like there are full sequences where it is a digital camera moving around a digital space and Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio and whatever. It just like, it's not a Who Framed Robert Rabbit or Chippendale Rescue Rangers live action with digital characters. It is a digital movie that they threw Tom Hanks. Wait, that wasn't a CGI Tom Hanks? That was actually <laughs> It might have been. Might explain <laughs> some things. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, oh man, this movie, it's just lifeless. Like it's heartless, it's lifeless, and um, it's bad. It also doesn't make any sense. Uh, we can go into into the plot a bunch more. The plot lost me. I, I stopped paying attention. I won't lie to you, Cody. <laughs> I mean, once they got to that island, and what's that guy's name? Luke Evans? Is that his name? And he's just popping out of, like, floorboards and shit. I didn't know what was going on. It's such obvious CGI. Another thing that really irked me was um, all the CGI uh, clocks in, in Tom Hanks' place. They had a place. Space Jam, a new legacy moment? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, hey, we just want to remind everybody... This is a Disney movie. If you guys didn't know, we're going to throw every property again that we just have randomly in these clocks. And they go off like four times too. Like it, it doesn't stop how many times they go off. Yeah, this this movie, it really sucks. It's really boring. And it feels so much longer than it actually is. I think it's like an hour 40, hour 50. I legit thought like this was almost a three hour film. Because every scene just drags on. There's honestly not that much dialogue. It's kind of just like long shots. The like the the first act of like Tom Hanks going to bed. That's the first half hour, and then finally we get to the fairy, and then she talks for God knows how long as well. Yeah, not great. Disney knows what they're making. Tom Hanks knows exactly what they're making, and um, I, I expect a Razzie uh, incoming for Tommy. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Jiminy Cricket, Cody. <laughs> I didn't even, yeah, also, the thing is, there's such good people involved with this movie. Tom Hanks, you know, George Gordon loves a good actor. Robert Zemeckis, what are you doing, brother? Robert Zemeckis was one of the great, you know, directors of our age. You know, well, of our parents' age. Yeah. <laughs> True. But it, it's just sad to see him go down, you know, this hole, this far. I mean, this guy, I need to look up his IMDb. Obviously, he directed Back to the Future, which is an iconic, you know, film, but uh, he's done so much other good stuff as well. Forrest Gump, another obvious one. 
But for him to stoop at this level, I, I think it's pretty sad. And uh, I, I mean, I, I would watch his next film, but after this, uh, I'm not too sure. This may be his last, if I'm to be honest. Yeah, him and Tom Hanks obviously have a bit of a relationship. I know he they've worked on some other projects as well. Um, you mentioned Forrest Gump, of course, and, you know, Pinocchio. I think maybe this, I don't know, is it a case of like, he's doing Tom Hanks a favor? And they're just like, I... I don't know. It's baffling to me. Some of Tom Hanks's career decisions as of late have been a bit baffling. He's really fallen into this bumbling old guy, Tom Hanks like type thing. He's doing with Geppetto. He's got this new movie, a man called Otto that's coming out, which looks atrocious, but who knows? Maybe it'll be decent. That's just um, like randomly come out as well. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. It's, it's a, yeah. A January release. So you can't yeah, expect I saw the trailer for it on TV. And then I was going to look to go see a movie at a theater and suddenly it's like playing 10 times. I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is already out. I saw literally a trailer for it yesterday. But yeah, his agent. Oh, man. Tommy boy, you need to move on because he's literally accepting every terrible role uh, in Hollywood these days. So I don't know. He's gone downhill. (laughs) Him and Samantha on a sinking ship together, I guess, but. Yeah, and and throw Joseph Gordon-Levitt in there too because I think his career as of late has not been too hot. He's he's not been doing a whole lot. He sees himself as like a visionary and changing the music industry or some shit with his like hit record stuff. Um, He directed the film Don John maybe about a decade ago at this point, which is a strange film in itself. Not a not a terrible one, but just kind of a weird concept to go for as your directorial debut. And he's obviously not had any further projects since then. And this he's doing. A weird voice like he's not even that's the thing if you're gonna get like if you're gonna hire like movie stars to be in your movie because of their like star power to sell the movie one maybe put them on the poster put their name on the poster like even use them to sell it but then like have them do their voice but he's not right he's doing some weird accent of Jiminy Cricket which in that case I just wish it was a real voice actor doing that if they're gonna do like Jiminy Cricket like let's do a weird accent and do a voice Let's have a real voice actor do it. If not, just make it fucking Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, if I'm being honest, I didn't even know it was him. Exactly. Like, you you said something the other day about how bad Joseph Gordon-Levitt was. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know he was Jimmy Cricket. But as well, all, all like the CGI characters just pissed me off. Like, why is Keegan Michael Key? Why is he even a fox? There's no other like CGI characters <laughs> other than, you know, the main also there's a random fish and he's got a cat too the fox is from like because this is the other thing cody this is essentially a shot for shot remake (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it's it's much worse but he's like the only animal character who's like a humanoid everyone else is just a human in this movie except for keegan michael key why does figaro not talk i mean jiminy cricket also a humanoid character but yeah not really i see your point it's a cricket I don't know. This movie sucks ass, dude. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> it's really bad. Please don't watch it. This don't watch is, it. Be the one where I'd be like, actually, never watch this film because it's just a waste of three hours. Which moves us on to another horrible movie that you didn't watch and I did watch, kind of. The uh, the Russian Pinocchio, also known as Pinocchio: <laughs> The True Story. <laughs> yeah. Can I preface this? Because I just saw the trailer, so or sorry, a true story. Oh, a true story. I'll give you my thoughts super quickly. Yeah, how the hell can this be based on a true story? <laughs> it's Pinocchio. So the title, the title lost me already. And uh, yeah, from the from the trailer, you know, the thing that really stuck out to me was the voice work just looks embarrassing. 
I mean, you got Paulie Shore, <laughs> the Paulie Shore, voicing Pinocchio. Not even Geppetto. He's doing Pinocchio. How, how old is Paulie Shore now? 60, 70? I don't know. And then, <laughs> and then out of 54. left. 54, that's pretty old for a you know, 10-year-old kid. And then as well, there's no Jiminy Cricket, I don't believe. At least not a trailer. But it looks like he got replaced by a horse who's voiced by John Ader of Napoleon Dynamite fame. Which evidently his career has really gone downhill as well if he's doing this. But uh, yeah, it, it looks terrible. But uh, you actually watched the whole thing, I, I believe, right? Um, About halfway through, turned into a podcast of sorts. I, I got up and was doing some chores and listening to the dialogue. Right. But I, I could not subject myself to the uh, the full runtime, unfortunately. Yeah, um, this is free to watch on Tubi and Pluto TV. Um, we call it the Russian version because it is actually a Russian animated film and was originally, like, all the dialogue is in Russian. These people, John Heder and Polly Shore, have been then purchased to come in and do a dub over right. that dialogue, which then causes some of the, you know, mouth movements to not quite match up. Um, I will actually say I would prefer this movie to the Zemeckis version. I, wow, they're both one and a half stars for me, but I do like this one better. <laughs> That's a bold statement. It is a bold statement. It doesn't have great animation. The the bringing in of the horse character, which is John Hedder, as you say, um, mm -hmm. his name is Tybalt. Kind of just a strange decision. Part of that reason is, which we'll get into for the further for the Guillermo del Toro version, but Disney owns the name Jiminy Cricket. The original oh, okay. Pinocchio story had a cricket in it, but he was not named. So like Jiminy Cricket as a character is a Disney property. Um, so that's I why guess, he, that wasn't his name in the Guillermo one. It was something else. It's not that's, Sebastian J. Cricket in Guillermo yeah. del Toro. Okay. That makes sense. I didn't think about that. Nice. So for this, the Russians say, eh, we're not even dealing with no fucking cricket. Give us a horse. Uh, horse named Tybalt. He's a kind of a weird looking horse. He's a little bit red at different points. Just very strange uh, all around. Uh, they do make a joke early on in the film where they're trying to name Pinocchio and they're like, oh, what should we name him? Should we name him Giuseppe? Oh, no, no, that's not good. Should we name him Leonardo? And then they go, no, because then he'll either be an artist or a turtle obsessed with pizza or a selfish actor. <laughs> That was, I was like trailer. they're they're throwing shots at Leo. <laughs> yeah, that was in trailer. That got a laugh from me, but a little too meta for my Pinocchio. <laughs> the Zemeckis version also very meta. Jim, Jiminy Cricket's doing a whole meta thing in the beginning. Um, both these movies not great. There's definitely some dialogue in this that I think because of the translation, it seems like they like put it into Google Translate and just were like, oh, well, this is what it is. We've got to do it. Like where it's like it doesn't quite make sense. It, it's like pretty good most of the time but there's a couple where it's like that was clearly just some like it was probably poetic in russian but doesn't quite translate in english there's a weird cop character that that probably if you really read deeply into it but you know something russian you know blah blah i don't know um <laughs> he represents somebody in russia right yeah sure i don't know <laughs> the important thing to to tap into here is is the polisher and the john header of it all obviously mm -hmm. these two people were hired because in a kind of sad sense, they're they're kind of like CD-list celebrities that are maybe needing some cash so a Russian production company can come in and pay them and put their faces and names on it and get idiots like me to watch the movie because of that. Like, 
nobody would have talked about this film otherwise if it was just like random voice actors in some Russian film. This was on TikTok a few months ago. That's how I heard about it, right? They they used that to sell it to a certain degree, um, which you can say is sad, but you know, good for them. They're getting their bag. They're not good though. They're very strange choices, like you alluded to. Pauly Shore. I actually don't even know what like his normal voice sounds like, but he's like doing, he's pitched it up a little bit. I think it's got a little bit of like a list. People on Letterboxd have referred to it as the Yassified Pinocchio. But yeah, this movie all in all just kind of strange. I don't know. Weird combination of things happening, um, but better than Zemeckis's version. (laughs) Again, bold claim. Yeah, honestly, I think you described it really well um, because I was unbelievably confused by it all coming into the episode and i feel like i have a clear picture uh definitely still not gonna watch it <laughs> but it sounds not that bad but still not good it's it, you know the the storyline itself is still pretty similar you know he goes and he joins a traveling circus or whatever and geppetto blah 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 um there's more of a push of like pinocchio and i think this is in the trailer where he's like I want to explore the world, father. Like, let me see the world. And Geppetto's like, no, fucking stay here. You're like a wooden boy. It's dangerous out there. So it's like this like angsty teen, like I need to escape my father's power type thing as well. Um, There's definitely a plot twist somewhere that I just didn't understand what the twist was, but it was like, because he doesn't get turned into, he doesn't get given life by a blue fairy like in the other versions it's just some weird witch in a carriage that like gives him life and then later i think she's like related to some or like there's some weird plot twist where somebody's somebody's son or daughter or something i don't know cody this movie is strange um and i definitely miss some stuff i guess (laughs) nice in the trailer i remember um it looked like he was gonna go and try and get turned into a real boy I feel like we didn't really see in the other Pinocchios, so that's kind of interesting. But yeah, if he's if he's somebody's son or some witch's son, that that sounds pretty stupid. I'll I'll leave you with a final line from the movie, and oh. I'm probably gonna misquote it. But Pinocchio said, "But I I want to be human," and I think Tybalt says to him, or another character, who knows who says it, hmm. "If you want to be human, just be human." Tybalt says, "Wow." That's deep. (laughs) So Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Cody, obviously we've made plenty of jokes about you because you picked it to win best original score. Like we've talked about. Uh, What did you think when you saw it? Did you like it? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. I think this movie has been, you know, pretty critically acclaimed and everything. I'm not its biggest supporter. The thing that definitely stands out for me is the stop motion animation. I mean, it's pretty insane. The amount of work like they actually did for just each and every shot. So respect it for that because I wouldn't want to stand there for, I don't even know how long it took the film. It had to take forever. But uh, respect a ton for that because it looks amazing. Yeah, it, it does put it in, in the real world. You know, we're in World War II Italy. So that's a different take on it than, than what we've seen. I like that. I mean, this movie's deep. This movie's dark as hell. So if that's for you, that's for you. Geppetto is just super depressing in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's kind of just like, if it's your cup of tea, I get it. And there's a ton of good, interesting ideas. I specifically like um, the the whole afterlife thing where Pinocchio's, he's pretty much unkillable. And uh, he keeps, you know, coming back into the afterlife and talking to uh, whoever, you know, I don't even know. Is that the person who gave him life? I can't remember. <laughs> but it's whatever it, that guy It's like is. the sister, right? Because it's they're like, That's, yeah. 
of oh, the, my the first thing gives him life. Yeah. Oh, she she messed up. Oh, she's too nice. But all of those interactions where he was in the afterlife, I actually thought were really good and uh, was definitely my favorite part of the movie, just because they would bring up you know different themes of you know mortality, immortality, you know what makes a good person, all that good stuff. And uh, this movie does have heart. Like I do think this is a good movie, but um, yeah, I don't know if it's that good. But uh, shout out to Guillermo. I mean, clearly a passion project from him. Honestly, one of his better better movies, I'd say. I think he's kind of hit or miss uh, for me. But uh, for his filmography, I, I think this is pretty good. What do you think? You know, I'll admit, I don't know if I've really seen any of his movies or or too many of them in the past, which is, is kind of crazy to think about. Shape of um, Water? Did no, I haven't, I haven't seen Shape of Water. Sure. I'm, yeah. I'm out. Sorry, Michael Shane. picture, brother. I know, I know, I know. We'll get there one day. <laughs> But he's a he's a very interesting character. I've had heard him talk in some interviews and different stuff, and so like I'm familiar with who he is, right? And I can see how this appeals to his sensibilities, understanding some of the other movies he's he's done. This this idea of like anti-fascism and placing it in this time. I know that comes up in other works of his. You talked about heart, and this movie does have a lot of heart and soul. And that beginning where Geppetto loses his son in the church. Not really sure about how that bomb kills him, but doesn't the physics of it all doesn't quite make sense because the sure. crucifix is still standing but that was also a know. hell of a shot from <laughs> yeah they got him sniped him respect but it is a, it's obviously like a sad heartbreaking opening it gives oh, yeah. geppetto and every other version i feel like you don't really understand why he's doing this it's just like oh yeah he's just like a weird sad old guy um i think in the zemeckis version they're basically like yeah this dude doesn't fuck so they say it a little bit lighter, but having this, like he lost his son, he's trying to recreate it, the tones of war and, and heartbreak in that sense, um, I think is, is really interesting in this movie. The The animation is incredible, like you said. I'm actually going to have to go there at the MoMA here in um, Museum of Modern Art here in New York. They've got the whole display of all the real sets that you can like go check out and see how they made it. So definitely That's planning good. to do that and I'll, I'll have to report back how it looks, but just incredibly beautiful um, this idea of like the animators kind of being actors and Guillermo wanting to present them as such is, is definitely true because there's like so many minute details and the facial expressions and the hair moving and it is so such intricate, incredible work that I cannot imagine even having the patience to begin to do. They've I've seen like a time lapse of like one scene and just seeing how much the person who's moving them clothes change, like how many different outfits in them they're in makes you know how many days this took. Like single sequences of moving is just days and days of work. And it's incredible. It's like that um Parks and Rec scene where where Ben, you know, he spent however long it was. I think it was, it was like, a great, I think I Carly joke as well, where, where Spencer uh, does the same thing, where he's like doing a, yeah, he like, oh, I worked on this for a week. And it was like 10, it was, he wasn't even 10 seconds, it was like three seconds. He's like, oh man, I did all of that in a week. So yeah, it, it really is like that though, where that much input is not the much output. I feel like it's super frustrating to do, but respect to it, like, that it really truly is art. What do you think about the uh, voice actors in this version, Cody? Uh, Ewan McGregor, obviously, yeah. um, kind of bearing the brunt of the weight. Yeah, Ewan, I mean, his voice, I just, I could listen to that all day. So I think he's a great pick for uh, Sebastian J. Cricket, as you said earlier, not Jimmy. But uh, he's good. I also thought the, the Pinocchio kid, I don't I remember his name, but... Gregory Mann. Yeah, out, out of the three, I mean, there's, there's no doubt he's the best as well. Um, him and... 
uh, Ewan really have the the brunk of like the script. I would say every character design, even like the the monkey, we, that was probably one of my favorite characters in the movie. And uh, I believe that's voiced by um, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Kate Blanchett. I always get her and not even like speaking. You know, I know <laughs> making I know. monkey noises. It's crazy, but I think that's one of the best characters in the film, really. But uh, yeah, I mean, especially compared to the Russian version, uh, the voiceover work here is is immaculate. Yeah, there's a clip, and maybe I'll just throw it in here, of Kate Blanchett talking about playing Spazzatura, and just yeah. like, she just wanted to be in the movie, and Guillermo's <laughs> like, well, this is all we got left. And she's like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And she's just <laughs> making monkey noises the whole time. Um, I think we were on set one day, and I said, when are we going to work together again? And he said, I'm doing Pinocchio. And he went, oh, and he'd said to me the day before that I, you know, he said, you know, you're not this mysterious woman. You're really um, a really cheeky, naughty 12 year old boy. And so he said, why don't you play the monkey? That's quite a compliment. So I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have any words. I just make monkey, I just make monkey noises for two hours. <laughs> well, we were, we were, we were doing Nightmare Alley. And it was one of our last days in Nightmare Alley. And she said, I've had so much fun with you. We should work immediately. And she said, do you have anything on Pinocchio? I said, well, the only thing I have is a monkey. And she says, I'll do it. I'll do it. And she did it. And and what is really funny is uh, we would be recording the monkey in London. And, on the, and then she would stay in the booth and record her lines for Tar. So... It's a good video. Um, Count Volpe is Christoph Waltz, which I think is also a really smart and, and great character. And like, maybe you didn't recognize it, but like, yeah. once you make that connection of like, oh yeah, this is a villainous guy. He's do like, it's a great pick. Yeah. Uh, Christoph Waltz is, is one of the greats. And I didn't realize that. I didn't stay long enough in the credits, I guess, for that one. But uh, uh, oh, any, any like sort of villainous role, that, that's got to be the go-to guy. Okay, my final thing, Cody. Best picture. You don't think it's got a shot to make it in? Guillermo, like you said, he's Shape of Water. He's a former best picture winner. He's won best director at least once, um, maybe even nominated a few times. Let me do some research. What do you think? What are its shots at the Oscars? Oh, man. I, for best picture, I'd give it like one to 100. I think for best animated feature, I do think it'll get nominated. Although there have been, surprisingly, a decent amount of good animated movies. Shout out uh, Post and Boots, which I believe you saw. And um, I think I'm going to see that this weekend because I've heard really good things. But uh, Best Picture, I mean, the 10 obviously helps that out a lot. But I think this year was was low-key pretty strong year in movies. And I think they'll give it to other like borderline ones like uh, Top Gun and, and Black Panther over, over it, 100%. Obviously, we're still fucking like two months, three months away from yeah. even getting nominations. Uh, two months from nominations, I think. But he is, a, like I said, he's, he's well-loved at the Oscars. Here it is. Last year, Nightmare Alley, which is like a movie nobody really cared about, got a few noms, notably Best Picture. He did win for The Shape of Water and he's also kinda... won Best Directing for The Shape of Water, also was nominated for Best Original Screenplay that year, and then also was nominated for Best Original Screenplay in 2007. Um, yeah. But I don't know. The Academy <laughs> likes him. It's an international body. This is obviously kind of... Uh, a theme that will relate to a more international audience than some. This is a great movie year. I will tell you that, Cody. It's a fantastic movie year, especially compared to last year. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of movies that are like franchise, IP, sequel. There's like four of those. And it wouldn't surprise me if a movie like Pinocchio would get in over one of those because of 
you know, the hard, the, the appreciation for the Artur behind it. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think it would deserve a, a nom over, uh, you know, Top Gun, like the sequels you were talking about. Definitely Avatar The Way of the Water. That's my take. <laughs> I, I, that, I, I did I watch it. I nominated too. I make that that gets nominated as well. Oh, it will. But, um, yeah, for Guillermo, I mean, I feel like that was kind of just a legacy award. Sort of like everybody says that for Scorsese about The Departed. Like Guillermo's just been making decent movies for forever. So he makes a really good movie in The Shape of Water. Yeah, give him best director, give him best picture. He is like his Oscar bait phase though. I mean, like you said, Nightmare Alley. I feel like that's pretty big Oscar bait. This is not so much, but like like you said, I mean, it, it's just like recently as well. If the Academy sees somebody producing good stuff year after year, it, it's going to get in their head like, oh, this guy should be, you know, nominated for Best Director every year. I think also Netflix, you know, they are always trying to push, you know, one of their movies somewhere. And the thing is, this hasn't been a good year for them. Um, I like White Noise, but most people don't. And it's definitely going to be out of the Oscar race. And it really comes down to how much do they push Glass Onion and how much do they push Pinocchio? Because those are really their only two dogs in the fight. Oh, they should definitely push Glass Onion more. But... <laughs> well, I agree. But the, those, you know, in a year where they might have, you know, three or four films that, you know, they can push out. These are the two that they've spent the most money on. And they, they you bring in Guillermo del Toro as a director and you pay him money for a passion project that he's wanted to make many years in the hopes that it gets you an award, which you did say best animated. I think it will get nominated and I, I hope it wins best animated personally. Yeah, I, I would say at this point, I, I would agree with that, but don't count out Puss in Boots yet. <laughs> it is but, my favorite animated movie, but. <laughs> I would probably pick it for best animated feature as well, which is ironic because I didn't even pick it in our uh, Oscar predictions. I, I went with Saving Grant for some reason. Didn't even stick to my guns. Turning Red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever I, I didn't even see it but <laughs> at least i didn't pick a light year but uh i i do think it'll definitely get nominated for uh best animated and it would probably be my pick to win all right let's uh continue on with our discussion of the public domain and hit our top five public domain characters but before we do that let's take a quick commercial break and we're back all right so i figure we'll we'll start at five and we'll go to one I dropped something again. We'll start at five. We'll go to one. Cody, what's your number five? Okay, my number five, and um, we didn't mention it already, but it's so obvious, and I love the character so much, I have to bring it up again. It's Winnie the freaking Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's my number two, baby. <laughs> Good dear. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if I said this too much on, on the pod, but, like, growing up, Winnie the Pooh, this, this is also, like, Little, little Cody here. Winnie the Pooh is like my favorite character. I don't know why. I just connected with him. And um, seeing that trailer come out the past year, it's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. So bringing him into the public domain, going completely different directions. You know, Christopher Robin's dead. Let, let's kill him all, I say. <laughs> I really, really love that character. And I think we will see other stuff. Obviously, they just did, again, an Ewan McGregor uh, film surrounded by those characters. I don't even remember what the hell it was called. Something Christopher Robin or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Forgettable. But um, I think the, the majority of this stuff, the people who sort of have a say in all of this, most of it is Disney, or at least in this scenario. But I feel like give other people a chance. Like these are such iconic characters. And um, yeah, I want to see more Winnie the Pooh movies. I want to see Heffalumps. I want to see Tigger. I want to see it all, but uh, that had to make my list. Yeah, I mean, it was number two for me for a reason. I think similar to you, 
I connected with it as a child. I had an aunt who was really a big fan of Eeyore. So we would like get each other different things at different points. My mom enjoyed Winnie the Pooh. My dad has a Tigger tattoo on his anchor, Tigger with a baseball bat and a Winnie the Pooh one in a pot of honey on the other ankle. So like it, it's just something that my family's always enjoyed and I've always enjoyed and, and it rightfully deserves that spot of number two. Um, we're definitely going to have to do a blood and honey review episode um, when oh, yeah. the time comes. Absolutely. That's, that's a no doubter. That would be an easy pick for me, but yeah. yeah. My number five um, um, and it's, it's a little bit of a dual one and it's kind of just encompassing it. It's Hercules slash Achilles, but really it's just kind of, all of Greek mythology to a certain degree, because like these characters are not owned by anyone. They are technically in the public domain um, to some people they're you know, and to a certain extent, they are real figures. Um, some of these people, but the stories of them, I think are just so classic. Obviously the Hercules animated film, I think for people of our age is a big touchstone. And unfortunately the Russo brothers are adapting another version for Disney. <laughs> um, it's supposed to be more like TikTok, um, which oh, is yeah. scary to hear, but I just, I mean, going back to Percy Jackson, I've always enjoyed Greek mythology. Even before that, I read like a kid's version of the Odyssey that was adapted by the same person that wrote the Magic Treehouse books. She did like an Odyssey version that I was obsessed with and I would read. And I've just always been super interested in the characters, Hercules, Achilles, Odysseus and the Odyssey. Um, so just kind of all of those, I think are really interesting. And if I was ever to like do something, you know, like I said, Oh brother, where art thou? Like, I think it'd be really cool to do like modern adaptations or modern versions of these similar stories, which they have done, but yeah, it's really cool. I dig that a lot. And yeah, I was never super into the Greek mythology, but the Odyssey is uh, a great story. And that'd be super fun to put your own spin on, I think. But, um, yeah, the new Russo Brothers movie, uh, did they cast what? Uh, what's the uh, also the the Hercules animated movie classic? Great voice actors. What's the, what's the guy's name? The little uh, the miniature. <laughs> what's his name? Jim. Phil. His name is Phil. <laughs> He's played by Danny DeVito in the. Yeah, is is Danny DeVito playing him in the live action one or what? I mean, you can't recast that. That's like Robin Williams esque, I think. Well, they did. It was Will Smith. Um. Well, yeah, because Robin Williams passed away, though. True. Uh, currently, there's no official cast list available. Okay. So. Maybe they're pulling it uh, close to the vest, but that's a big missed opportunity. Uh, I'm going to have to hit up the Russo's and and uh, tell them what's what with, with Danny, because he, he's got to re- reprise that role. That was, you know, just perfection. But Danny yeah. DeVito reportedly wants to be cast in the remake, and rumors have you circulated uh, behind the scenes about reach outs to people like Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth to take the role of Hercules. So there you go. But no official list out. I'd like Hemsworth. I don't, I don't know about Pratt. But <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a, a good cast. Anywho, I say move on to uh, number four. Do you want to go first? Do you want to keep it, keep it rolling? No, go ahead. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number four. Not my favorite character, but I think it is interesting and topical. Peter Pan. Mm, uh, yeah, this guy... He's been in the public domain, I believe, for a little bit. Disney is releasing. I think they, like, I don't know, maybe they probably announced it a long time ago, but I didn't see it. But they, like, released their little Disney Plus snippet of, you know, oh, what's coming in 2023? And there's a new Peter Pan movie coming out. And um, I just thought that was funny because the last time they tried to do it uh, with Hugh Jackman, it turned out to be, like, one of the biggest bombs you know, <laughs> in, uh, in Disney history. So, I don't know. I think Peter Pan as a character, the original uh, um, animated film 
another one of my favorite growing up. But I, I don't think it holds up great today. I don't know how you can really do Neverland in live action. It just seems too weird with like. Isn't that what Hook is basically? What's up? Yeah. Isn't that yeah. essentially what Hook is? Well, yeah, that's true too. But uh, that's why that movie's not good. Shout out Spielberg. But uh, yeah, I mean, you have like grown up Captain Hook and pirates, you know, trying to catch these little boys. It, it's really weird, you know, in live action, I think. And then they try to do weird things well with Hugh Jackman, where he's singing Nirvana to, to, to Peter Pan and all these kids. So I just think it's one like it's almost unadaptable to live action, but Disney just refuses to let it go, which I think is pretty funny. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even know about this uh, version that you're you're referencing, but uh, yeah, it's called like Peter Pan and Wendy or something. Something it's was... just called Pan. Um, oh, the Hugh Jackman one, yeah. Rooney, oh yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking. About. I did not know about that. Oh, Rooney yeah. Mara, Cardo Levine. Yeah. Rooney Mara plays like well, she's supposed to be like a Native American character as well. It's bad, dude. Do not watch it. Looks very offensive, but public domain. That's that's what'll happen sometimes. It's true. I mean. You give it to the wrong people at the wrong time, stuff like that happens, but that's the beauty of public domain. I do agree. I think it's a definitely a very difficult story to adapt in live action. Um, my number four is mm-hmm. King Kong, the great nice. monkey himself. <laughs> I, I think, you know, with the association of Godzilla, which I do not believe is a public domain character himself, but King Kong, I mean never been done great in, in any version that i've seen necessarily uh shout out jack black i thought but you liked skull island i do like skull island it's actually pretty <laughs> decent but i don't know what's cooler than a big monkey cody like it's Not king much. kong um <laughs> obviously a super iconic image you know the idea of like him climbing and holding the woman and in the history of film a very important character and uh big monkey you can argue with big monkey yeah that's just not a classic character i mean that original i don't even know when that original movie came out like that was one of the like uh early on one of the biggest like you know movie hits but uh uh, yeah the the peter jackson version is just way too long i don't really like that movie at all and then school island was okay i like john c Riley in that film uh, but like for some reason brie larson and tom hiddleston i think are actually bad which is weird but uh yeah and then you got the whole team up against godzilla so i, I wasn't a big fan of that film either. and and the cool thing is that the reason king kong is in the public domain is not because his copyright like isn't old enough because the first entrance of uh king kong you didn't know 1933 was the first appearance <laughs> but universal made a mistake and they did not have their copyright renewed and then the story became public domain access and then they were kind of out of luck which was kind of cool bad capitalism (laughs) failing corporatized america should have better lawyers yeah seriously so shout out that's why we can have king kong heck yeah shout out public domain i think because because king kong and or king kong versus godzilla i believe is a warner brothers film Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Yeah, but Check Universal is the original, you know, movie. monsters and such. They they have a universe, don't they? Well, they try. Tom Cruise. <laughs> There's a great picture <laughs> of that. I don't yeah. Uh, oh, it's good. Uh, shout out the mummy. Number three for me. Well, I guess this is still Disney somehow. We're sticking with Disney, but not really. It's Robin Hood. I think this is an all-time character. And I think it really just shows 
the beauty of public domain, I think, in the best way, just because there's been so many different interpretations of it. I think I said interpret. We need to account on how many times I've said interpretations. <laughs> Arrow. <laughs> I don't think that counts. <laughs> but I mean, you go comedy with, you know, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. You go the animated Disney version, which is actually pretty good, surprisingly. And then you get to the modern era where, I don't even know, there's like a new Robin Hood movie every five years. I think Taron Egerton just had one, right? With, with Jamie Foxx, which nobody saw, including me. But I feel like every 10 years, we get a new look and like a new telling of Robin Hood, which is super cool. Also, there's a dope Star Trek The Next Generation episode where uh, they basically do a, a Robin Hood episode. Really good stuff. But uh, yeah, I feel like the character super fun. And like you can go comedy, you can go action. And uh, it kind of just reminds me of The Princess Bride. So can't go wrong. There's definitely a, a Robin Hood-esque element to, to the Princess Bride, to the Wesley character. So I back that. I don't know. Give to the rich or <laughs> take from the rich, give to the poor. <laughs> I can get behind that. <laughs> you know, I'm not the rich. so I'm not complaining. Let's move on to my number three, Cody, which <laughs> speaking of the universal monster verse, Dracula. Always been a vampire guy. Um, I, I don't know if there's a lot of great Dracula renditions that i really enjoy you know there's the um uh, dracula untold i believe is that I, I don't know it's been done a ton of times but i just think vampires are so interesting and i think i kind of made this list of like what would i want to work with and i think doing a dracula story doing a vampire story kind of based around that mythology would be really interesting there was a movie that came out earlier this year that i didn't like very much called the invitation it's actually out on netflix right now and that's kind of like a it's like a Dracula meets Get Out kind of movie to a certain degree. Not a super sex successful movie, but it's cool to see the ways that you can iterate upon that character and build your own universe and world around it. Um, so that's kind of why I like Dracula. And I think it'd be a really cool starting place because you can do modern, you can do ancient, vampires live forever. You can tell the origin story. You can tell the, the classic vampire hunter story. Like there's so many cool directions you can go with vampires. You can make vampires however you want. You can... You know, do the sunlight thing, do the stake through the heart, the garlic crosses, or you can make them fucking invincible. Like, there's so many different ways you can take Dracula, which I think is cool. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, that was number two on my list, actually. So <laughs> I'm back and I'm. He's the all time bad. He really is. And I think, again, you can do him so many different ways. I mean, you, you mentioned a couple uh, more darker ones. I mean, you also have like Hotel Transylvania, which obviously Adam Sandler joint. Not the best, but still fun. Even you can you can go so wild with it too, uh, like Van Helsing. <laughs> also, I don't know if you even know what this movie is, but Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh yeah, I uh, know all about that. <laughs> so I mean, you can incorporate really anything you want with the character, and it'll still work. There's great like Scooby Doo uh, movies as well. A ton of animated stuff. I think he is just the ultimate villain. You can kind of throw him in anything. You can be campy if you want to. You can be menacing if you want to. You can be like dark and brooding. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, I actually do like that film, surprisingly. But uh, even like Blade, I guess. You can kind of throw anything with vampires in uh, into this category. But uh, I, I would say like in public domain, he's got to be on, on most people's list. I would say a, a top character. All-time badass. I mean, based upon, you know, like the, Vlad the Impaler, obviously this terrible historical figure in his own right. And yeah, just the perfect villain. You know, there's also a lot of 
the the plight of the vampire and you, you can go into that whole direction of like what does it mean to be immortal and how do you deal with that and yeah it's, it's a really great character but there are still a lot of bad movies made about him <laughs> yeah definitely um, there really hasn't been one since uh dracula untold which is another bomb i feel like most of these characters uh it just gets to the point in the public where they're kind of like okay we we've seen most of it and they try and make a really big budget version of it and it just completely bombs same with frankenstein which i don't know if you're gonna bring it up but uh i feel like sometimes like it does get old which is the problem with public domain uh but with like such good character like it doesn't really matter i don't think all right cody what's your number one all right my numero uno it's got to be the guy sherlock holmes uh, <laughs> we were talking about him earlier and um, I just think he's one of the best characters in general, sort of like Dracula, but obviously in a completely different way. And um, again, I mean, there's just such cool modern versions of him, I think, which really bumps him up for me. Obviously, the the Holmes and Watson, whatever that movie's called with Will Ferrell, kind of does bring it down a little bit. It is kind of sad to see, you know, somebody stoop that low on such a fun character. But I mean, the Robert Downey Jr. versions, are actually good which is super surprising and obviously there's so much just other media where he's involved in again so, uh, weirdly enough there's a there's a really cool shock and uh moriarty episodes in, in star trek the next generation so maybe i'm just basing my entire life off that show but uh yeah i mean again the super sleuth one of the best characters of all time i think sherlock is deserves to be at the top of my list yeah i back it you know i've never been a sherlock holmes guy though you know i think I've um, never seen the Robert Downey Jr. movies. Definitely haven't seen Fulton yeah. Holmes and Watson. I, I did start one of the RDJ movies one time and then just like got distracted and have never returned to it. That was like four years ago, three years ago. Um, but I forgot to mention Cumberbund. Benedict Cumberbatch. That guy's the best modern Sherlock by far as well. Have yeah, shot. never seen Sherlock's show. I did see a, The Hound of the Baskervilles on stage in Indianapolis. And that is like the only Sherlock Holmes thing that I've watched. <laughs> so yeah, I guess the character just doesn't connect for me in the same way, but he's such a heavy hitter. He's probably one of the most notable um, besides one that is not going to make my list that we'll talk about in, in a minute. But my number one is, is another dual one. It's really, it's King Arthur in the sense of the King Arthur world as a whole, but it's really Merlin because I think that is a cool character. There used to be this Merlin TV show from a few years ago that I would watch on Netflix, like 2008, it came out. There's like five seasons. I don't know, some weird nerdy show about fucking Merlin yeah. and King Arthur and all that shit. Um, there was a Merlin series of books that I was really into. I, I don't even remember what they were. And then of course, like I, I said earlier in the show, Magic Treehouse, Merlin kind of plays a role in those series of stories as well. So from an early age, yeah. I've kind of always been interested in the King Arthur, Merlin, knights of the round table transformers has done a, a king arthur knights around table thing with optimus prime uh, apparently i haven't really watched those movies um but i, I just think that one. yeah despite not being a fantasy guy like in every other aspect i'm not like i don't like lord of the rings i don't like game of thrones i can get behind some king arthur and some merlin shit magic like i, I just think that stuff's really cool yeah i back it is it definitely a cool character the Game of Thrones slander, I won't, I won't map. <laughs> but uh, no, this character in general, Merlin, I agree. I think he, uh, he's definitely underrated. And uh, I did read the Magic Treehouse book as well. So I agree with you on that point. But yeah, King Arthur, I mean, that's been done billions of times. 
Transformers, like you mentioned. Oh man, they they brought Anthony Hopkins in that movie as well. I, I feel bad for him. But uh, yeah, the Lost Classic. Years of Merlin was the uh, book series that I liked. Would recommend. <laughs> I'll throw those uh, off Amazon tonight. But uh, yeah, I agree. Another great character, and again, like, like we'll definitely see more movies of him, like in the next five, ten years. I feel like, no doubt. Oh yeah, absolutely. Notable honorable mentions. We yeah. Well, actually, um, I have uh a couple other characters, and uh, they're about to enter the public domain in the coming years. Should I list them off here? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So obviously, twenty twenty four, Steamboat Willie, Mickey Mouse. We'll see. 2033 so we're jumping a decade here but the 30s are going to be super interesting 2033 superman technically could go into public domain which would be dope uh and then 2034 the next year that's when uh james bond i believe maybe it re-goes into it i don't know too much research for me but that's there that's that and then also that year in 2034 batman goes in the public domain as well which i mean oh if we get like off-brand from dc like superman and batman movies that's gonna be crazy i feel like everybody should just pump those out i don't know why they wouldn't and then as well in, in 2030 so a couple years before the looney tunes goes public domain as well so kind of i mean the next couple decades in film i think will be a little bit hectic sort of just people scrambling for you know whatever does come to the public domain and uh we probably will get a lot of very interesting takes on a lot of these characters and i'm low-key excited for it yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they kind of play around with that whole like iterations of a character idea and like, oh, well, the first comic of Superman or whatever, or like this first appearance will be available. So like you can't use any other costumes that have appeared later or like right. specific storylines that come up. So it, it, I'm sure it will, it'll definitely, you know, happen, but it'll be kind of a slow process and kind of seeing where do people take their own ideas obviously superman himself i mean he's basically just based on jesus right the oldest public domain character of them all um we can throw it back gotta to be him. public domain by now i mean yeah <laughs> yeah i'd say so <laughs> shout out jesus if you're listening really um it gets into the really like all gods and goddesses we talked about greek mythology but you know yeah. thor and loki those are technically public domain characters not in the sense of the marvel versions of them but thor as a character you could use of course, the, the the classic Don Quixote, the Mexican novel. I don't know if you ever read that in Spanish class in high school, uh, but we did. I don't understand it, but it's a fun one. And um, Tarzan, another Disney class. I mean, a lot of Disney movies that they made, but uh, there's been a ton of Tarzan films over the years as well. Yeah, it's true. They just had, a, I think, one release in the past few years that was uh, really bad. So, again, kind of just like they're running out of ideas at this point and they keep making these public domain characters just bad, which kind of sucks, but we'll see another version of it. I Disney hasn't remade Tarzan, actually, but I got... I thought they did. did the Legend they? of Tarzan, no. was that not... Who did The Legend of Tarzan? That I, wasn't that Disney. Was the, that was Warner Brothers. I think it was Warner Brothers. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård and Margot Robbie, dude. Margot Robbie was in that? See, I didn't know that. I knew Skarsgård. But, uh, yeah, I think that one bombed as well. Basically, anything Warner Brothers does in the public domain just bombed so maybe they should stay away from this episode but yeah yeah not the best so just notably like i said january 1st we got some new public domain entries so i just kind of wanted to talk about those real quick so interestingly the first major talkie film which you know if you've seen babylon you know what that is um basically the first movie with sound and, and people talking 
um, The Jazz Singer by Alan Crossland, released in 1927, entered the public domain. Uh, so now, like, you can use The Jazz Singer, the first, you know, popular film with talking in your own movie or your YouTube video. You can, like, use it however you want, which is kind of cool. Other popular stuff, Metropolis by Fritz Lang, Upstream, John Ford, you know, uh, The King of Kings, Cecil B. DeMille, like, a lot of iconic directors there with some of their films entering the public domain and can be used and readapted and changed by literally anyone, which is definitely a cool thing. Some Hemingway, Men Without Women, Virginia Woolf to the Lighthouse, um, The Big Four by Agatha Christie. So maybe we'll see some, you know, another Agatha Christie adaptation. Um, and then some music as well, uh, Putting on the Ritz by Irving Berlin, um, Can't Help Loving That Man, Old Man River by Oscar Hammerstein, Jerome Kern from the musical Showboat, um, Potato Head Blues, Gully Low Blues by Louis Armstrong. You know, it's really cool. You know, the 20s, a lot of, you know, modern culture were starting to happen over the next few years. I think we're going to see some really interesting stuff into the public domain and it'll be cool to continue paying attention to it. Yep. And that's why I do kind of like the public domain because it's bringing back like a bunch of classic or just older stories. And people can just reinterpret them now and bring them into our modern age. So, yeah, I think like in general, public domain, it is like a kind of a cool idea because now we get to relive all of this stuff that, you know, our grandparents enjoyed as entertainment. I think it's cool. The last thing I want to say is we did a, a movie character or a character draft all the way back in May. Check out season three, episode 18, Battle for the Heart character draft. In that episode, we drafted public domain characters as part of our squads. So if you want a little bit more public domain action, that, that's a great episode to check out. That's true. I can't remember who I drafted. We took, well, together, we took Cthulhu, I believe. Oh, that's why I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Cthulhu. <laughs> he wasn't brought up in this episode. We sadly. were going for the win. Yeah. If I were to remember Cthulhu, he probably would have made that my list. I mean, that guy's massive. So. He is a classic. He's he's top five in size, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, he's got to be. Cody, let's move on to We Have a Pod Grip. Let's do it. Season four. Season, Season four, four deck. Recent movie. Oh, Black Panther. Interesting. Now, fun one. Talked about it a little bit earlier in the episode. I don't know, Cody. Black Panther's been talked about plenty of times. Do you just want to use this 30 seconds to maybe tell me whether you think Black Panther 2 is going to get nominated for Best Picture? <laughs> sure. I think it, I, I still do think it will. It, it's gotten a mixed reception, but regardless, because of the impact of everything, I I, I mean, it's 10 films. They're not going to leave it out, especially after nominating the first one and you know, the circumstances and stuff. But um, also as well, I think uh, a really cool thing that's come out is the original plot for Black Panther 2, where it was originally supposed to be, you know, a father-son story where Chadwick Boseman, you know, takes his son out into the wild and they just have to survive for a while. I would have loved to see that movie. It is it is really sad we, we don't get to see that. But uh, yeah, I think regardless, it'll definitely get nominated. Well, it's a good thing that I went second because my take is the opposite of yours. Uh, I, I don't think it is going to make it in. And listen, I've made plenty of bad Oscars takes on this podcast in the past, so I can't speak to myself as being any sort of expert, but I don't think it does. I think there are other IP sequel movies, like I mentioned, that will get the spots ahead of it. Unfortunately, Avatar The Way of Water, um, which I don't think is as good of a movie. Glass Onion. Uh, what's the other one that I can't think of right now? What's the other sequel? Oh, Top Gun Maverick, Cody. You oh, know, yeah. like, I don't know. There's, it is 10 films, but there was a lot of great movies this year. And I think it's, while they did nominate the first one, this has definitely not had the same impact 
as the other like marvel movies just don't seem to have that same staying power in our culture and especially you know black panther being such an important story at the time i just think this one's you know it hasn't done the same box office wise it hasn't been seen by as many people i think if they were smart they'd get it out on disney plus as soon as possible so that it can kind of have that second life um but i think if they did the nominations today it would not get in maybe there'll be a big push and we'll hear more black panther in the next two months but i don't know my i think it you know could get in in some other categories and maybe we'll see an angela bassett supporting actress nom just because that's a little bit lighter of a category um but i I don't know i i would say no right now it'll be interesting i think it will be i mean like if it does get in like the 9 10 pick i think it's definitely on the outside but uh yeah, I, don't know. I also picked it to, to get nominated in our Oscar picks. So I'm kind of like, you know, really hoping you're just does. hoping. Yeah, kind of does that. But Can't yeah. be embarrassed again like last year. <laughs> yeah, what I get last year, like two or three. I think it was oh, four, three. Cody. <laughs> I'll take four, thanks. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't sell yourself too short. No, you got three. Yeah, you got three. Yeah. <laughs> four, I if, you, if, if Pinocchio gets nominated for best score this year, we'll give you the four. That should count. Yeah, that should count. Yeah, it still puts you four behind second place and <laughs> eight behind first. Moving closer every year, though. Yeah, you're getting there. I can already say there's there's a few movies on mine that I know are, are not going to get nominated, but we'll talk about with it when the nominations come out. Let's move on to our recommendations. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. It's been a while since we did our last episode, so I've seen a ton of stuff. I'm probably going to save most of it for our next episode because we are going to be doing a best of 2022 episode for our next one. Um, So that's my general recommendation. Just check out if there's any 2022 movies that you haven't seen, check those out in the, in the next couple of weeks Um, because I've seen a ton and I'm going to try and talk about a lot of them. And that was one of the things on my thing I was going to say as well. Like they just released a bunch more movies on uh, like HBO max and crap. Uh, I think I'm going to check out the the menu menu dropped today. There you go. We're both on it. And uh, I was going to uh, force myself to, um, oh, what's that? I-, I was finally going to watch Amsterdam as well, uh, which I'm not excited about. But uh, yeah, I- I'm trying to do the same thing. Try and knock out a bunch. Uh, I do have a couple. I'll just mention quickly. Blast Onion came out. Great stuff. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. And uh, for the sequel, Ryan Johnson said they might do a Muppets one. So <laughs> that's unbelievably hype. They better do it. Or I'll be pissed. Uh, and then a couple other things. I checked out the movie Dope, which I I know you've seen, I believe. Shout out Tony Revolori. Spider-Man's in that movie. Uh, who's the other one? Oh, does that guy voice uh, Miles Morales? Yep. Really? I don't know that actor. The voice of Miles Morales. He's really good. I thought he was uh, really standout in that movie. Uh, Zoe Kravitz as well. I, I really, really like. Also, I thought that girl the entire movie was Tessa Thompson, but it turns out it's not. It's it's the one who was in Zack Snyder's Justice League playing uh, Iris West. So shout out her. I think she was brilliant in it as well. But uh, Candace Patton. Yeah, I don't nope, know. No, that's the she... one from that's the one from the Flash, <laughs> the TV show. She's much better. Uh, Zack Snyder's Zack Snyder's Justice League. Dude, she plays Iris West. Kiersey Clemens. Kiersey Clemens. Yeah, yeah. Kiersey Clemens. Yeah, she's actually good. So shout out. And then I did check out RRR as well, which was a year wreck. Oh, man. Love that movie. I'm, I'm definitely going to talk about it more next episode. And lastly, actually, this won't be the last time I talk about this show, but it'll be one of the last times. 
<laughs> Agents of Shield. All right, let's talk about it super quickly. All right, so where we left off, season one was shit. Season two, eh, not great. Season three, the first like six episodes are really good, and then it gets fucking terrible. So that's when I was like, oh man, like I don't even know why I'm watching the show anymore. But then I got to season four. That's where it gets good. Season four is actually the only good, like, full season. So if you're going to watch a show, that's the season you need to watch. Season five is fucking garbage again. Excuse my language, but nobody's listening at this point. And then season six is even... No, um, season six is okay. Season seven is god-awful. <laughs> so basically, even-numbered seasons in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are decent, and uh, the rest is garbage. But, uh, yeah, that's my extra of the week. <laughs> are you going to finish it? Are you going to watch the whole thing? Yeah, because of the last season, again, it's actually good. So it's kind of like in every other season. Season eight? Is there eight seasons? Yeah. No, because season season five and season seven are legitimately some of the worst television I've ever seen in my life. But four, six, and eight like are all actually good TV. So it's really weird. It's kind of just like, do they have a good concept this season or not? And um, yeah, season four is they go into this like digital world that's really cool and Fitz, who's like this great guy is like a terrible bad guy and they come out and all of these robots are trying to kill him it's crazy it's good stuff and then season eight they go back in time and they're kind of just like it's kind of just like time jumping and they're saving people there's really cool just like episodic uh you know episodes if that if that makes sense mm. one of them's like uh, one off episodes they're stuck in like time loop and sh- yeah it's really good stuff but uh yeah that that's my ages of shield talk for the day yeah i think that's where i struggle with tv sometimes it's just that kind of up and down that you can have and like having to watch a whole season just because you need to know what's gonna happen like i don't know don't always love that uh i think i haven't you're talking about them going into a virtual world i must have only watched the first three seasons um i don't think i made it that far you should watch season four because it is actually really good we'll see um, just a couple quick shout outs, just shout out some Christmas movies, Home Alone, Christmas Vacation that I did watch. Those are good ones. Yeah. Watch some bad ones as well for Christmas, Fred Claus, uh, the Star Wars holiday special, fucking atrocious, just an absolute abhorrent piece of garbage. Oh. Um, because I wanted to see it, you know, I've heard about it. Chewbacca has a wife and a child and a dad and like 60% of it's a silent film, essentially. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Just Chewbacca's like motioning because some, you can't understand them. There's some Boba Fett animated stuff too, I believe, right? Yeah, the first introduction of Boba Fett was in this. Um, you can watch that yeah. short, which I actually do think is okay. It's probably the best part of the whole thing. And uh, you can watch that on Disney+. Plus. Um, also, some other movies. I saw Vertigo for the first time. Really just kind of confusing a little bit. I, I wasn't as impressed for people saying it's like the best, second best movie of all time or... Uh, according to that AFI top 100 list, at least. I um, also saw Eyes Wide Shut, and I've never been a huge Kubrick guy, but I'm starting to get it a little bit more. Um, Tom Cruise, uh, Nicole Kidman, icons. And uh, the one thing I will say on HBO Max, this place rules. I think maybe I've talked about like Channel 5 and Andrew Callahan on the podcast before, but if not, I've definitely talked about it to you personally, Cody. This place rules is his documentary about the 2020 election. It's now out on HBO Max. I think Andrew Callahan is an extremely brilliant journalist and he's one of the few people that isn't trying to, you know, purposely create division and and spread this like harsh news cycle. It's really about, you know, telling the reality, spreading 
kind of just showing the truth and, and getting to the real people on the ground. And it, he creates a really important portrait of what America is. And if you want to kind of understand how things led up to 2020 and how we got to the Capitol riots in, in early 2021, uh, this place rules is a great place to start. Yep. That was hundred percent on my, I think I have that on my queue list as well, or whatever you call it, my list, whatever HBO Max. Cause I, I saw a couple of clips on, on YouTube as well. And it, it was hilarious. Uh, You've definitely put me on whatever his name is, but that curly had a guy. Cody, funny. Mina and Mina always says, and especially you just cut your hair, shout out to the haircut, but um, she says you okay. could go with him as Halloween because as your hair grows longer, it's it's doing a very similar thing to what his hair looks like now. I could actually. And uh, yeah, just got a haircut, sadly. but uh, hey, Halloween's in what, 10 months? I'll just grow it out and go out. Him as, it'll still be tough going 10 months, right? So I'll there go. you go. All right. <laughs> Well, this has been a fun episode about public domain and Pinocchio, and uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Follow us at Cat Podcast, K-H-A-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all over. And uh, Happy New Year. Stay tuned for a ton more in 2023. Love you guys. Peace. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.